0: I'm Bob Avant with Avant Farms in Taylor, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories.
0: Texas High Plains Ranchers are being encouraged to boost the profitability of their cattle sales by participating in value-added programs. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
2: The U.S. Department of Agriculture is accused of picking winners and losers when it comes to a disaster assistance program from 2022. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag today.
3: Land Essentials courses in Texas will teach producers about soil health principles. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll review some of those principles on Texas Ag today. Now,
1: Here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas.
4: Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. The latest census of agriculture is out this week, and it shows less Texas farmers and ranchers and less land in production. Now, these numbers come out every five years. So compared to five years ago, Texas agriculture is shrinking. Here's a few numbers from the census. The number of farms in Texas was over 248,000 in the last census. Now it's 230,000. That's a drop of 18,000 farms in the past five years. This includes both small and large farms with a decrease in every size. Total cropland in Texas was over 29 million acres five years ago. Today, it's about 28 million acres, a drop of over a million acres. One thing that did go up in this latest census is the average size of a Texas farm. Five years ago, the average size was 511 acres. Today, it's 544 acres. More farm loan borrowers will now be able to make payments to their loans online.
2: The U.S. Department of Agriculture is preparing to launch the Pay My Loan feature on Farmers.gov that will allow borrowers to make payments to their direct loans online. The new system is part of a broader effort by USDA's Farm Service Agency to streamline its processes and save farmers and ranchers time. To use the feature, borrowers may need to create a USDA customer account. The initial release in early February only allows individuals with loans to make payments online. Those with joint accounts will still have to pay the traditional way. Additional details are available at Farmers.gov backslash loans. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. More
4: lambs are hitting the market early this year, and that's pressuring lamb prices. Texas A&M Livestock Economist David Anderson. Usually in the spring, we see a surge in lambs going to market because we've got holiday-driven demand. What I would point out is in the last couple of weeks, we've seen an early surge in numbers going to market, uh, kind of ahead of this normal seasonal pattern uh, that fits with some of the inventory report released two weeks ago. Uh, and it also correlates, I think, with some lower live lamb prices in local markets, uh, just that we've got more going to market, and that's pressure on prices a little bit. The biannual inventory report released a few weeks ago shows there are about 3 million ewes in the U.S., Here in Texas, we have about 405,000 ewes. There are 655,000 sheep and lambs. That's down 4% from a year ago. Texas High Plains ranchers are encouraged to boost the profitability of their cattle sales. James Hunt says one way to do that is to participate in value-added programs.
0: Value-added programs is one of the topics Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith has been discussing with ranchers during recent producer meetings in the Texas High Plains. Dr. Smith says there are a variety of ways to go about adding value to cattle.
5: To me, a value-added program or management practice is anything we can do that's going to make an animal more valuable than it would have been had we marketed that animal without doing so.
0: And going off the definition he just gave, even fairly complicated, Common ranch practices can be value enhancing. If we look
5: at just castration, making a calf a steer and, and marketing them as such, over the past few years that's been worth anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty dollars a head. That's value that somebody else is going to try and capture in that calf after it's been marketed. So I encourage producers to take advantage of that opportunity. We can castrate one for a lot less than fifty to one hundred and fifty dollars a head.
0: Smith says dehorning is another common practice that can also help elevate the prices ranchers can get when it's time to sell their animals, and extra weight on your animals can also mean extra money.
5: An example of an opportunity we have to add value to a calf by adding pounds would be utilizing an implant, technologies that have a tremendous positive return on their investment. If we look at our current market conditions, we'd expect a calf hood implant, so an implant Implant administered at branding time to equate to a net of about $60 to $70 per head come weaning time.
0: Coming up in future reports, Dr. Smith will share more insights on how ranchers can benefit from value-added programs. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
4: The U.S. Department of Agriculture is accused of picking winners and losers in the most recent disaster relief program. Jessica Domal has more from this week's House Ag Committee hearing.
2: House Agriculture Committee Chairman G.T. Thompson wasn't the only one questioning USDA's emergency relief program this week. Congressman Frank Lucas of Oklahoma also brought up the inequality with U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack at a hearing.
6: It's always been clear to me that the strongest policies that come out of this committee and the most important programs administered by USDA are built on the belief that support and relief programs must be tied to crop production. When this committee or your agency stray from that principle, we begin to walk down an unsustainable and a very concerning path.
2: The congressman said he had raised concerns with USDA using a formula to determine ERP payments that favored underserved farmers and ranchers.
6: When you last appeared before this committee, I raised concerns about your agency's design and implementation of phase two of the emergency relief program for 2021 crop year and called for a return to the EPERP phase one mythology. You said that your agency would learn from their experiences during the first iteration of ERP and would factor it into the administration of the next. Well, based on the reports that I'm hearing from my producers in Oklahoma, ERP 2022 has proven to be no better than its predecessor at delivering support to those who suffered the greatest crop losses.
2: Secretary Vilsack again pointed to the $3 billion allocated by Congress.
6: I mean, when you give us 30
5: percent of what we ask for, when we tell you that the, the damages are 10 to 12 billion dollars and you basically appropriate three billion, you put us in a tough spot.
2: Lucas said when USDA screwed up the delivery of the three billion dollars through the ERP funding model, it makes it difficult to come back and ask for the rest of the funding. Here's Vilsack.
5: It didn't screw up uh, at all. In fact, 82% of producers received more assistance and help than they would have based on what uh, you've articulated.
6: But my producers back home who actually raise the food and fiber that feed the country, who put the resources on the shelf that the federal credit cards, the SNAP program benefits by, tell me the resources are not going to production, It's where the losses were. That's not true. That is not true.
2: Lucas expressed concern that USDA was addressing disasters by picking who is farming.
6: But, Mr. Secretary, is the goal to give resources to address the disasters by following production, or is the goal to pick out who's actually farming so that those of a preferred uh, category in the rules benefit more from disaster relief than others?
2: That was Congressman Frank Lucas of Oklahoma. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
4: Soil health is the focus of regenerative agriculture principles. Tom Nicoletti has more on some upcoming seminars.
3: My guest again today is Josh Gascamp, a regenerative ranching manager with Noble Research Institute. The institute is hosting courses on land essentials for producers in Texas, in New Braunfels next week, then San Angelo in March and Stephenville in May. Gascamp says part of the Land Essentials course will focus on soil health principles.
7: They're not a recipe or a template for producers to follow because everybody has a different context. And that's the first soil health principle is know your context, understanding where you came from, where your ranch is in Texas, for instance, and, and what the specific resources that nature has provided on that ranch or what past management decisions have provided for you on that ranch. Second soil health principle is covering the soil. The more we cover the soil, the more water we retain in that soil, the more resilient we are to things like flooding and drought, but also the more productive they become because of nutrients provided back to the soil. We don't just feed our livestock with the forages on the landscape, we feed our soil with it as well. Third soil health principle is minimizing soil disturbance. And so We want to promote a lot of the natural disturbances that occurred on our landscape with herbivores, grazing animals, prescribed fire, things like that that happen naturally. And we want to minimize the unnatural disturbances like tillage and things like that, that break up the structure of the soil, kill biological activity in the soil. That is Josh
3: Gascamp with Noble Research Institute in Ardmore, Oklahoma. For more information, go to Noble's website at www.noble.org. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
8: Farmers in the Coastal Bend are less than a week away from planting, but what will those farmers be planting this year? This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Corpus Christi area.
4: And winter is the time of year young calves can get BRD. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up.
1: These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag
7: Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th.
1: making Texas agriculture great again. This is Texas Ag Today.
4: Farmers in the coastal bend are ready to plant corn. Harvey Buring has this update from Corpus Christi.
8: Well, traditionally, farmers in the coastal bend begin their spring planting in mid-February with corn, and that's generally followed by grain sorghum, and they conclude planting their cropland acres with cotton in early March. And ideally, our Coastal Bend farmers prefer planting a 50-50 rotation. They devote about half of their cropland to cotton production and the other half to primarily grain sorghum and corn to a lesser extent. But this year, things are somewhat questionable. Farmers have a great price for grain sorghum. Many are leaning for more sorghum acres And cotton, although it is gradually increased in the futures market price, there's still a lot of risk planting cotton because of the additional expense and always the threat of hurricanes at harvest time. So many growers continue to back off on their cotton acreage. A testament to what happened last year when prices for cotton were low was less acres. And the classing office at Carpus Christi recently submitted their final report for 2023. And it showed that they were about 6,000 bales from reaching that million bale mark that they traditionally have in their South Texas and Southeast Texas classing area that consist of some 49 gins So production off slightly last year in cotton, and what will happen this year still remains to be seen. Although prices have experienced some increase, that grain sorghum price is very attractive to many producers. And with the increasing interest rates for production loans, many growers have decided to plant more sorghum, less corn, and less cotton again in 2024. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring.
4: Winter is the time of year young calves can develop respiratory disease. Dr. Bob Judd says it's important to get your veterinarian involved if your calves have BRD. A plan needs to be followed for
9: every calf that is sick. And stocking medication to treat these calves is required as most of these calves need to be treated right away. However, your veterinarian has to write a prescription for most all antibiotics purchased by the rancher to use on the farm, and to do so, the veterinarian must be familiar with the operation. A veterinary client-patient relationship, or VCPR, is required for the veterinarian to approve a prescription for antibiotics, and the VCPR requires the vet to have seen and be familiar with the operation. Also, your veterinarian will know the antibiotics that are working best in your area and other herds that they may have in their practice. Your veterinarian can help you to diagnose pneumonia in these calves and talk with you about how to best examine them when in the chute. Most calves with pneumonia are breathing hard, coughing, depressed, and have a high temperature. With a stethoscope, you will hear some congestion in their lungs as a popping and crackling sound. Also, listening to the trachea under the neck can be helpful to determine if congestion is present. If you listen to all calves treated, you will eventually be able to determine the calves with abnormal sounds. Again, set a plan on when to examine calves and examine every calf in the same manner. It is also important to keep good records and document which antibiotics are given, when they were given, and the withdrawal time to prevent antibiotic residue in the carcass. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today.
2: National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th. A week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th.
1: Now back to more Texas Ag today.
4: Let's wrap up the markets on Thursday, where we saw live cattle close higher across the board. Feeder cattle closed mixed. February live cattle up a dollar one eighty three forty. April up a dollar sixty one eighty five sixty. With June live cattle up seventy five cents one eighty one eighty seven. Feeder cattle higher on the nearbys, lower on the deferreds. March feeders up 87 cents, 247.10. The April up 62, 250.22. With May feeder cattle down 5 cents, 252.90. Cash fed cattle trade picked up on Wednesday and Thursday. We saw cattle sell here in the southern plains at 180. That's two bucks lower compared to the previous week. In the northern plains, we have reports of sales of 180 to 181 live. That's steady to a dollar lower. Box B prices higher Thursday Choice up a dollar nineteen, two hundred ninety five nineteen, select up three hundred eighty four at two hundred eighty seven eighty six. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass, Cattleman's Columbus, sells
10: them every Wednesday. Doug, how was that last one?
11: We had good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 1,217 heads of cattle. Packer cows, uh, thinner lower yielding cows, 66 to 85. Medium flesh cows, 88 to 95. Better high yielding cows, 98 to 121. Lower yielding bulls, dollar $1 to $1.10. Better high yielding bulls, 114 to 130. Pairs, uh, we had a little, uh, few little pairs there. Uh, pairs bring anywhere from 1,200 to 2,250. Red cows bring anywhere from 1,250 to nineteen fifty. Calf market looked good. But again, I caught steady last week. Uh, two to three weight steers, two seventy to three ninety. Heifers, two sixty to three seventy-five. Three to four weight steers, two sixty to three fifty-seven. Heifers, two fifty to three thirty. Four to five weight steers, two fifty to three forty. Heifers, two forty to three ten. Five to six weight steers, two thirty-five to three ten. Heifers, two twenty to two sixty. Six to seven weight steers, two thirty to two eighty-six. Heifers, two dollars to two forty-five. Seven to eight weight steers, one ninety-five to two fifty. Heifers, one ninety to two twelve. And your eight hundred to a thousand pound steers and bullion has been 185 to 225, Kefir 130 to 176.
10: Well, it sounds like you had a good sale. How many noses did you end up counting? 1,217. Did anybody say, Doug, it's just so good I'm going to go back home and bring you some more?
11: Oh, yes, sir. I guarantee you people are just tickled to death when they get their check, you know, and, and a lot of them, are. that's what they're saying. We want to get them to town. We want to get them to town. You know, everybody's scared the market's going to go the other way. Looks like it's here to stay for a while.
10: Well, good. We hope it is, and we hope you folks bring them to Columbus. Cattleman's Columbus, Doug Bass, tell everybody how to contact you.
11: Yes, sir. You can call me on cell 979-877-4454 or at the office 979 732
10: Doug, it's always good to visit with you. We'll do it again.
11: Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Day. Y'all have a good week.
10: We'll sure do it, Doug. Neighbor, come on back tomorrow for another edition of Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio
4: Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market. Our lean hogs finished higher. April hogs up 47 cents, $85 even. May hogs up 35 at 88.85. Class 3 milk was mixed. The nearby February up 4 cents, 1620 100 weight, with March milk down 15, 1687 100. The cotton market continues its climb higher. In fact, we are at contract highs right now, especially on the old crop contracts. March cotton up another 115 points. It closed at 94.63. May up 93 points at 95.31. New crop December cotton up 25 at 84.84 cents. Corn and wheat both closed lower. Corn hit another new contract low for the fifth time in the past seven trading days. A couple of factors weighing on corn prices. Cheap Ukrainian and South American corn on the market right now. Good weather in South America also weighing on prices. USDA's Ag Outlook Conference came out with another estimate of corn planting here in the U.S., It's now pegged at 91 million acres for this coming crop, a yield of a record 181 bushels per acre. So that definitely weighing on corn prices. March corn down six and a half, 417 and three quarters. May corn down seven and a half, 429 and three quarters. With September corn down seven and three quarters, 445 and a half. Wheat continues to fall lower. Double digit losses today in both hard and soft wheat. Same thing we've been talking about all week. Big wheat stocks in both Russia and the EU. Russia on the world market, undercutting everyone else, taking up all the business. And of course, that hurts our exports and definitely pressures our prices lower. March, Kansas City wheat down 12, 575 and three quarters. New crop July down 12 and a half, 563 and a half. Soft wheat, March down 18 and a half at 567. July down 14 and a quarter 570 a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas down a penny dollar $1.59, March West Texas crude up a $1.52 78.16 a barrel. The financial markets higher, the Dow up 348 points 38,773, the Nasdaq up 47 15,906, with the S&P up 29 at 5029. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.
1: Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.